Welcome to I Bumped Into, a show about the fascinating people I meet, a podcast where they share their stories, and a platform where we ultimately learn from each other. This week, I bumped into Pelagi Guerrera. Is that right? Guerra. In Portuguese, it's Guerra. Okay, I must apologize. <laughs> Pelagie is the Global Tresemme brand manager who is based out of London and here are some of the snippets of the questions I asked her. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Oh gosh, that's tough. I wish I could have like so many things. Um, first of all, to be concise, of course, that would be Why? Amazing. Why do you need to be concise? Because I speak too much. So this is it. <laughs> wow, you look so excited. Um, thank you for being my first guest and taking the time out of your day on this bank holiday as well. Uh, I know it's it's a lot for you Londoners as well because you don't <laughs> you don't get as much uh, holidays as as we get back in South Africa. So thank you Pelagi. And um, yeah, we're just gonna kick it old school because I'll do this on the post edit and cutouts. Uh, and I'll have an introduction for you. But uh, just for the people that don't know you, uh, the colleagues back home and the wider South African audience, uh, can you just introduce yourself? What's your name and what you do currently? Yeah, sure. Hey, Mato. I'm Pelagi. So, hey, guys. Um, obviously, as you can hear, I'm French. Um, my name is Pelagi, and it's really, really weird in every single language of this world, I guess. But there's a good thing, like, it's like an old French name uh, from ancient Greek, and it means like the deep sea. So sometimes if you go to Greece, beautiful Greece, and um, you go like to the ocean, you can see some beach co- beaches called um, Pelagi. Oh, wow. Almost there, Pelagia. And anyway, um, what I'm doing here, basically it's been four years I'm in London, on and off, because I had the amazing opportunity to go and travel South Africa for six months. Uh, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. okay. But I'm um, just saying, uh, yeah, it's been four years I'm in London, working for Unilever for like almost five years, starting in France. Are you the oldest in the family or what's up? Are you the middle child or you last born? I'm the youngest and I'm the I'm the super cool accident actually. Oh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, my brother is turning 40 in three weeks. So basically I have a very old brother. You would hate me if you could hear me say that. Uh, but yeah, my brother is quite old. My parents are also like a bit older than my friend's parents, obviously. So I have a brother from um, 40 years old. He has a little child that just turned five yesterday. Then I have a sister that is four years younger than my brother. And she has like also a little baby of a year and a half. And I'm the godmother. And finally, it's me coming six years later as an accident. Uh, I would say a lucky accident. This is what I keep on repeating to my mom. But, um, but yeah, I mean... It was like the first two attempts were like just attempts, and then like the <laughs> the cool kid came, and it's me. The world changed when you came, right? Yeah, eighty-eight, right? But you can hear my you can hear my name, and I think it was like a revenge from my mom, like the unwanted child that got a weird name. All right, cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, lucky accident. Um, also, myself sometimes I do say that 
I'm I'm only around because my parents uh, wanted actually a girl. So there's only boys in my family. Oh. And uh, I'm the last born, similar to you. And I'm only around because the first two, I love my brothers, uh, were boys. I'm actually glad they were boys because that's why I'm around, if you think yeah. about it, right? Because if they had uh, a daughter earlier on, I would You could be a girl. Could be the same you, but as a girl. Oh, we'll never know. We'll never know. So, after the break, I ask... So, can you just repeat that in case people missed it? You said what? It was one of my best choices ever to go and live in South Africa. Hey, welcome back, lovely people. Uh, so, now we're going to actually fast forward to when Pelagi graduated and the challenges she faced in trying to find a job at the height of the economic crisis... And we're just going to find out exactly how she navigated those challenges in terms of the different internships and the jobs she took on, uh, which ultimately landed her at Unilever. So once you graduated, right? So you graduate. Well, I'm just trying to figure this out. You were studying, you were looking for your first job after the economic crisis of 2008. Yeah. And how long did it take you to find a job? So, um, from graduating, and sorry, just to backtrack, were people finding jobs like your peers and everyone else? So, just generally known as finding a job? No, and actually, I've so I've really, I think, after my second year or third year, I've studied for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, um, I got a international marketing management, um, Master two degree, I guess you say it that way. Um, and basically, I was also quite, I was not lucky, but basically, because I really wanted to get all the opportunities I could get. Um, I've studied abroad, so I've studied in Portugal, back to my roots. I've studied in Spain. Um, I got, I did also some internship in Portugal. Um, so I really tried like to build like like a background that could be tough enough for me to find um, to find um, a job after I finished um, my business school. But actually, no, it was quite tough because there were so many people like going out of business schools, um, studying marketing, wanted to work in cosmetics or whatever. That actually to find internships, it was all good because in France is the country of internships. Uh, so, so when you say internships, what do you internships? Internships. So it means that. Oh, internship. Okay, sorry. <laughs> internships. Okay. That's exactly what I said, guys. I think you're all like <laughs> wow. witnesses, and you can tell that I said no. internships. I, I was here. <laughs> sorry, I was hearing something else, but. So you're saying there's a huge supply of internships? Yeah, so basically in France, every year you study, you need to do an internship for six months or a year after that. So basically, before even I started to work, I was already working for the past two years. So that's very interesting, especially when you come then and you work abroad, because this is not really recognized as recognized that in France. But in France, it's not because you've worked for two years before you finish school that it means that you're going to find a job and this is what happened to me so I got that internship in Unilever quite easily um, I started to work in the regional team and what, and what year is this? it was my last year uh, 2000 and oh it was 2013 okay. so yeah basically when I was like the crisis happened when I was in second year of university and then I studied for five years, mm. plus a year of internships, so like mm. 
another. And, uh, and from my understanding, when you do internships, you're not studying during that year. You're just no, working. Yeah. I'm just working, yeah. And you're just like in a placement, basically, in a company. And so I picked Unilever thinking this is a very international company. Um, I've always worked before in smaller company, more like in the luxury field, quite niche. A lot of people wanted to work there. So I was like, okay, let's open up to something a bit broader and mass market. For sure, there's like work because this is everyday consumption. So everyone wants to, like everyone needs to supply like those um, mm, yeah, grocery goods. And basically, there's a reason why I chose um, Unilever in 2013 out of other choices, actually, and quite good, cho quite good other opportunities. And, and yeah, I was in the original team working for Dove Hair. So that was my first um, six months there. And it was pretty interesting. Um, but they forgot to tell me something is that when I entered Unilever and I got that job, that internship, they told me, oh, actually in six months we're moving the whole business in Rotterdam. So I was like, fuck, like I chose that company and that internship to basically like study with them, learn with them and then find a job. And basically I had to relocate in Rotterdam if I wanted to continue with them. So that was a bit of a challenge. And my friends were telling me, if you don't if you don't find a job in a company where you do your internship, your final internship, you're not going to find a job anywhere else. And that's true. And so true. just, just two, two questions um, leading on from that. So number one, why didn't you want to go to Rotterdam? I mean, what's wrong with Rotterdam versus London? First of all, it was like already five years ago. And five years ago, I think, and I'm sorry if it's not true, but I think Rotterdam was not as developed and as fancy as it is today. Okay. It was really like the very beginning. You had already like a couple of companies um, settled there, but it was not like somewhere you really wanted to go. Even Amsterdam, it was nice, but when you don't speak the language, when you have your whole family and everything, like your life in Paris, for instance, as far as I'm concerned, you're like, no, what would I do in Rotterdam? Mm -hmm. And my boyfriend can't find a job in Rotterdam. He doesn't speak Dutch. Okay, I'll be in an international company, but it doesn't mean there is like a place for him as well. So it was, yeah, it was not an option at that time. So basically after eight months, I was literally depressed of being home every day and trying to find jobs and having interviews and was never working on it. It was 10 contracts that um, I decided to open, yeah, to open up my resume and to look abroad and basically my boyfriend at that time was quite happy also for me to try and find a job in London so this is the reason why I started to fi to look after a job in London and it worked very well compared to Paris <laughs> and in later, right? a month I think I got in yeah less than a month and two interviews I got two jobs so within five. Unilever or no one was within Unilever and the other one was in Rekid Benkiser okay. working for a very interesting brand that is called Durex Durex but working for definitely a condom brand and sex toys because at that time they were launching the sex toys I was like I don't think I can tell my family that hey look guys I'm a brand manager and I'm just developing like condoms lubricants and sex toys <laughs> I was but like, even if when now it's been four or five years that I'm working in, in hair care, so mm. like developing and selling shampoos, sometimes I feel, 
what is the real meaning of this? Mm. I'm like, it's still better than work for working for condoms. Well, I would fact, not be can, able so to. So can I ask you a question? Were you going to enjoy working in, in Record Pekinsa? I would have, but they're in zone six, and you know how London is yeah. big. It would have been a nightmare for me to and why were, And uh, why were your parents going to feel uncomfortable? Is it taboo in France? Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. And yeah, and especially in my family, like, you you don't speak about it. You don't speak about it. And it's not something that really exists. It's something that you may use, mm. but it doesn't exist in the family. So, so, no, it would have been a bit awkward to tell that I'm developing concepts for the next uh, condom generation, basically. <laughs> okay. And then... So I'm just, <laughs> I, yeah, cool. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking about. I'm not saying anything. No, 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 not even that. So I'm just okay, okay. I'm with. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You're back. Yeah, I'm definitely back. Hey guys, Matsu here. Thank you for listening thus far. I really appreciate it actually. And um, after this snippet, we actually go straight into why uh, South Africa was one of Pelagie's best life choices. So can you just repeat that in case people missed it? You said what? It was one of my best choices ever to go and live in South Africa. So uh, just briefly describe to me what were the perceptions that you had of South Africa, right? And what changed when you obviously experienced South Africa that made it the best time ever? Uh, because I do feel like there's a lot of uh, preconceived notions about South Africa if you've never been there and what the media perpetuates, you know, especially into the European media, the Western media. So just briefly tell me what were your uh, perceptions of South Africa and then what changed actually when you were there? You don't need to hold back. Uh, because I think it's a conversation that we need to have more of uh, within within Europe as well, and uh, change that perception. Because clearly, you had the best time ever, and I'm hoping you're an advocate now for for South Africa. And say, guys, you know me. You know I am. It's not what you think it is, but I mean, just tell me your. your um, views. No, I think my first perception was, um, yeah, okay, South Africa is pretty far, and it's in Africa. So basically, obviously, when you're European and especially you're French, so you have like there's a lot of history between Africa and France. Mm -hmm. And that's true. When you think about it, you've heard like so many people like going and living in Africa. And obviously, Western Africa is very different from South Africa. And I think still today that South Africa is kind of different of Africa. And obviously, this is my perception and my own point of view. But I think South Africa is really European. And when you... I've been to other countries in Africa, and I think South Africa is really like a bit apart of the rest of Africa. And that's my perception. So the first thing that I thought when I was going there is like, oh my God, it's far. And oh my God, I guess it's a bit dangerous from everything that I've heard. Mm. And I had already some um, colleagues that went there, mm. and there were like so many... I guess um, words of mouth saying, oh, you can't go alone and do your grocery shopping. Um, you need like uh, a um, guard that work, work with you when you're in South Africa because otherwise, because you're white and because you're European, you're going to be kidnapped. I've heard so many things that I was 
honestly quite scared but then actually I was kind of lucky because I had a couple of friends that have traveled and that have lived in South Africa mm-hmm. and I talked to them and they and I was like that one guy that really motivated me to go to South Africa and he was living in Cape Town for the past four or five years and he was French and he was like you're gonna see like you have to go there you're gonna have like the best time of your life I had the best time of my life so really go there and I think this is the reason why I think it was kind of like a big factor in my um, decision process to, to go there so Pelagi can you just tell us how was your experience of living in South Africa how is it to live in South Africa? I'm pretty scared because I've seen so many bad things on, on Facebook. And if one day you have the opportunity to go to that Facebook group, which is called um, Crime in Durban. And basically, in like two weeks time, I was just like scrolling down for like two weeks time. Gosh, so many kidnappings, so many people getting robbed in the street, getting their, st- their car stolen, getting their house um the door of the house broken and people like taking everything that is there. I was like, oh my God, where do I go? And I was literally telling my friends that I would go there and I would not come back alive. And I was at the very beginning. I was pretty sure that I'm going to get killed or whatever in South Africa. But actually, that was not true at all. And that was the perception that you may have from Europe when you don't know it. But that's very, very different. And I think now it's actually changing. I have a lot of friends like either getting married or in like relationship that just decide to go abroad and travel and before it was always like French trend and European trend it's to go to Thailand or this kind of like um, of Vietnam this kind of uh, destinations but at the moment they're all choosing South Africa maybe I was a very good advocate because I think I promoted it so well that I should be paid by the tourism office uh, in South Africa definitely but also I think like it's becoming trendy and people are realizing that Africa is becoming trendy I guess and they're realizing that it's not a land that is underdeveloped and you have me to be honest and it's not a land that is underdeveloped and very unsafe it's really like a land that you need to discover and super rich and really developing and full of potential so just on that I mean I was having a conversation uh with a friend of mine today in terms of this whole Africa narrative, right? And we sometimes forget a lot of the time, especially when you decide that, look, guys, Africa is not a country. I'm sure you've heard that before. Of course. And, uh, I mean, there's <laughs> 52 countries that that are situated in this big continent. But somehow, and I think it's it was really perpetuated by the West where there's... We, we always, there's that narrative of Africa just being a country. So I want to ask you, why do you do that? Is it because of the Western society? I mean, when you say go to Africa, I mean, there's 52 places. I know we say Eurotrip uh, when you're coming like yeah. to Africa, but we do say specific countries we want to do, for example, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you get that feeling where I'm coming from in terms of when you say Africa, it's almost like this one big place with one big tribe or something, you know, and we have this generalized view that it's underdeveloped, there's crime or whatever, but it's so diverse. And as you say, it's uh, a place to explore. Of course. Things, you know? So I think, yeah, European people, they and Western people, basically, they may 
have a lack of knowledge for sure about Africa. I have to say that I think we know better what is Europe and Africa rather than the U.S. So that's a one thing. <laughs> okay. European yeah. people are a bit more knowledgeable and know better in terms of geography. And and f- fair enough. I mean, we've had this conversation before, and I know you know. But I mean, and it's also unfair of me to ask of you to speak for. I mean, a huge population of Europeans also that have different backgrounds. I just wanted to know, like, your view and the conversation maybe you have with your friends, because you also have some diverse friends. But again, I mean, we shouldn't have a blanket approach to say this is what Europeans think, because mm-hmm. everyone thinks different. But obviously, there is. I mean, when I look at the media, this stigma. Of uh, but again, I digress. Um, we can go back now to your, I don't know, is there any highlights you want to speak about in, in South Africa? Your top three highlights, actually. No. <laughs> My top three highlights. You love this place, yeah. Oh my god, and actually today I was speaking with someone very particular from South Africa and I was like, wow, like it's been a year, it's been a year. Um, my big highlights, oh, it's going to be very broad because I can't pick, like, I had so many moments. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about South Africa? Oh, I think it's the, it's the, it's the people I met there. And it could sound a bit cliche, but literally, like, I met such good friends and such strong relationships only in six months that I was so I was really surprised and it's really like something for instance if you ask me what is the difference between European countries and South Africa or like France and South Africa I'm gonna tell you directly people are welcoming in South Africa I remember the day I, I joined Unilever South Africa and I was very scared because here we're in London, it's like multicultural. Mm. And if I want to speak French, I can literally speak French every single day, even in the office. Mm-hmm. I don't need like to have a very good English. While there, obviously you all speak um, very good English and you have other, other languages, but mainly like I knew that I wouldn't met any, any French people there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I was very scared of this because I was like, okay, people are going to are going to come and talk to me with that strong South African accent and I'm not going to understand anything and I was really really scared about it and at the end when I was like sitting at my desk I didn't even had like to go and say hello to people they were all coming to me and even if I was at the coffee machine and like people were saying oh I saw you you're the new one sitting there hey hello I'm like the um, whatever brand manager and nice to meet you and welcome to the team I was like what the fuck how come people are so nice with me I didn't do anything probably I'm like smiling but not even too much and people come to me and say hello and no I think I made like such a strong um, um, friendships there and yeah that was like the first thing South African people are so welcoming I've never seen that in my life and now at the part of the show which a lot of you have said you enjoy the most it's time for 36 questions otherwise known as let us see what is under the hood and really driving you. Also known as the questions nobody wants to answer but subconsciously may ask themselves. Now look, I don't have or ask all 36 questions, should I rather say. I pick and choose at random, which allows me and you to get to know the guests better. 
So, on that note, let's not waste any time and let's just kick off with our first question. Let's move on to question nine. I like this question. And why I like this question is because I feel like we don't do the reflection enough on this question. So, without further ado, geez, that's <laughs> what a dramatic <laughs> entrance for this question. But for what in life do you feel most grateful? Hmm. That's very tough. Um, I think it's going to be quite a basic answer, but like the most genuine answer. I think I've been very lucky with my family. I was born not in the most richest, like the richest family or whatever, um, but we were good as we were living. We had our own issues, like the divorce of my parents, for instance. But until now, like they've always been here for, for us. I always had like a great family. And now I can see that it's like prolongating with the with the birth of my nephews and which are like definitely part of our family and building something even stronger. So definitely being like surrounded by such amazing people, it definitely like built me and that was the best thing I could have. I couldn't ask for more than that. Wow. Truth. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. Uh, question 12. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability what would it be oh gosh that's tough i wish i could have like so many things um first of all to be concise of course that would be amazing. why why do you need to be concise because i speak too much um no what would be the main quality i would like to have gained in one night it's probably having more confidence knowing what I'm doing. I would never have said that about you. Mm. No, it's definitely a thing. Like being being confident and 100% sure that if I'm saying something, if I'm wearing something, if I'm going to somewhere, mm. people are going to wait for me, be happy to see me, trust me, mm. listen to me. That would, that would like, you know, like the um, mental charge that you can have when you sure. overthink everything. Yeah. That would relieve me so much. Mm. Yeah, so I guess it would be that. Okay. Question 14. I like this one. I really like this one. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you really waiting in I don't know what to anticipation. expect. No, it's, it's, it's a simple one. So is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Number one. And if you have, why haven't you done it? That's a tough one. Um, for a long time, I'm not sure what it could have been. Um, yeah, I think I would like to find like the right balance between my personal life and my professional life. I think today it's still something that I don't have and probably trying to find like the right way to make the right balance. So probably not doing the job I'm doing today it could be a nice stuff now looking more short term I think yeah I'm just waiting to kick my own ass and decide myself to go back to live in South Africa or in Lisbon for instance because I know this is a, these are places where I really feel good and 
and yeah in line with myself but I don't and I don't so dare why, to go why have you done that? because it's a big step when you're when you're a girl you're turning 30, 30 years old it's not something that you would do like that you're maybe waiting to go with the right person or you're expecting that if you go there you're gonna meet the right person but if you don't then when you come back you're gonna see all your friends like that have moved on and you would be okay you would have seen like an, a lot of amazing stuff but so you wouldn't have moved on in your life and this is interesting to me especially for you where you know sometimes I mean people have legitimate reasons why they can't really move I mean because of family the, they're taking care of their parents mom or dad or grandparents you know what I mean um, but for you I mean after our interview there's nothing really here for you in terms of your job and maybe the friends in London um, maybe well oh, sorry let me take that back not that there's nothing here for you but it's not like there's a man mm -hmm. that's here Are you staying here because of your friends? Um, I'm staying here because I have a really good job and I'm really like grateful for that. And um, I know I can do, I can probably make the difference, I can make a difference in the where I work and what I work for. So this is the reason why also I'm staying. That's true, that I have amazing friends here. And yeah, I'm considering at some point leaving London, but now I mean after four years, this is also a bit my life, so. I don't know, it's gonna be, yeah, a decision I'm gonna take in the future. Probably it's gonna be maybe in a month or maybe in one or two years, but um, yeah, I'm not sure about that answer actually. Um, in saying that, would you say you're a courageous person? Creative? Courageous. Courageous. Yes, I, in a way, yes, because I'm always going out my comfort zone so I guess this is courageous um, and then also I like to take risks like I'm always the one speaking up if there's something that I don't like if there's something I disagree with so I guess in that way I'm courageous otherwise I think in terms of my personality I'm probably more scared of like changes and and doing things differently so it's a bit of a contradiction But yeah, I think overall I could say that I'm courageous. Well, oh, interesting. Um, don't worry, almost there. You want more wine? No. <laughs> um, question 19, right? Oh, damn, I really love these questions. They even get better. <laughs> so look, Pelagi, if you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, right? Would you change anything about the way that you're living now? And why? Hell yeah. What would you of change? Of course. What would you change? Oh my God. But if I know that I'm going to die in one year, I have probably and hopefully enough money to live without working. Obviously, I'm going to quit my job directly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to probably not travel the world because this is not what is important when you're going to die and when you're going to leave everything behind you. Um, probably I would... I would go back to the places I really liked, so basically France, Portugal, South Africa, these are definitely places I would go back and I would ensure that all the people that I really like and I really like um, 
I don't know how to close to your heart. Yeah, that are really close to my heart are with me along that journey. I would definitely like yeah spend most of my time with like in the places I love and with the per the people I love. I would definitely be something like that, and I would definitely stop working. Why would I work if I'm dying tomorrow or in a year? But in a way, you could be dying in a year, right? So why wait? Why are you waiting until someone tells you, for example, a doctor, like, okay, look, you have one year to live? Because in truth, in fact, I mean, not to get too deep here, yeah, we don't know how much time. For sure. Right? I could I could go back home now, and because I've drunk like half of a bottle of wine, I could just cross the street without looking left and right and get yeah. hit by, uh, by a car. That's true, but so because I'm trying to build something. So because I'm trying to build something and have like a house later, have like some savings for my kids I want to study, etc. This is the reason why I'm also like working and building something. So let me ask this in a, in, in a different way, right? Yeah. Um, because I do believe, okay, I learned my point. If you had to die today, would you be happy? What would? Would you be happy with your life if you had to die today? No, no, I wouldn't have achieved everything that I want. Like, it's really important, like, okay, right now I can tick some of the boxes. Um, I have a great family. I have great friends. I have a great job. But I mean, then I want to achieve something else. Like, for instance, I want to build a family myself, etc. So I think if tomorrow or today I'm dying, I would have been like, no, I want to be a mom before, for instance. So, yeah, I would come and stay like haunting your place probably <laughs> because uh, so, to go back to our discussion so so put it another way like what I'm getting and correct me please if I'm wrong you don't feel like you're living life to the fullest do you not f do you feel like you're not living every day to the fullest I think it's not that exactly um, at some point you can't live in a utopia where you think that you can do whatever you want and you can yeah you can't have any responsibilities because basically you only live once and you can do whatever you want. I think, yeah, that's true. This is like, that's true. No, this is something you should consider because indeed, if you only live once, you need to make the most of it. But at the same time, um, basically your whole life, it's also like a, like you're construct, you're building it. And so you can't enjoy yourself every day. You can't like be lying on the beach every day. You need also like to work a little bit to contribute to the society because this is something that you enjoying and you're like taking advantage of it. And if you're not contributing and putting like your stone to the whole building, or do you say that in English? I'm not sure what is the expression. Um, I think you're also missing something. So it's really important for me to understand that I'm doing something, I'm contributing to the society, but at the same time, I want to... And I, I, I totally agree with you, I mean, and it shows that you... I mean, now you're showing age because you, you're spitting some wise words, you know? Answers, am I? But <laughs> did you say amen? Am I? Oh, am I? I'm like, amen, <laughs> you know? Uh, but just in saying that, but I mean, are you insinuating that by contributing so to society, that is not living a fulfilled life or I'm just picking now on the society part because yeah. you said like look you need to obviously work and uh, mm. do the hard yards do you know what I mean I and, think and can 
where I'm going with this is even in even in your work, right? Uh, I mean, you've heard the cliched sayings, and I do believe cliched sayings. Are they cliched because, to be honest, they are true. You know, in terms of if you're doing what you love and what you enjoy, uh, you're not really going to work. So for me, for example, I mean, I'm interviewing you right now, and I enjoy talking to people and hearing their stories. And, I mean, we've been interviewing for, uh, I think, about three hours now. Couple of hours. And yeah, but I mean, I'm not really tired. Maybe you tired of talking. Uh, don't worry, it's gonna end very soon. The pain will end. So <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like it's that triangle, if you want to call it that, that you're contributing to society, so you feel good. You're doing what you you love. Very hard to find as well. I mean, it takes some people many years, decades. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And uh, you have good family and friends that you love and that you tell that, uh, look, I appreciate X, Y, and Z. And you're with them maybe two or three or four times a year in the places that you love as well. Um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make the point that you can enjoy every one of those things. Do you agree with that? I believe that, but I don't know if you do. So it's almost like, yeah. I have two answers for that. The first one is if you're thinking pragmatically and you're looking back like without thinking about society, about you need to pay, to pay your bills to be able to live in an apartment and get food, um, I would disagree with that. I think as a human being, if you really want to enjoy yourself and like live to the full, you wouldn't have any responsibilities and you wouldn't have any like um, constraints. So that's the first thing, but it's like the broad image I have. If I really, like, if I'm really dying end of next week, I'm not gonna try to um, be nice with, like, my job and do my job, even if I like it and I do like it, but I wouldn't spend time on this. It's, like, not my priorities. It's, like, a question of priorities, and I think if you have a deadline, your priorities get really, really, really clear. However, now that you're talking about, yeah, if you do what you like and if you're with the, surrounded by the people that you love, etc., isn't it enough for you? Is, are you not living the life to the full? I would say yes, because in the long term, it's not sustainable and not viable to do whatever you want every time you want. Of course, it's not like how it works. And I believe, and I do believe in the society. I do believe in European Union to come back to the Brexit that we dis- that we mentioned quickly before. Um, and so, yeah, I do believe in like a certain, um, like certain responsibilities and, uh, and authority that we need to respect. However, um, I still believe that if you want to live the life to the full and even if you love your job as much as you want, as much as you could, um, living like working in a corporate would not, would not make it, um, would not making live your life to the full. I think like I know what are your ambitions and I think it would be, of course for me as well, like the day I'm building my own company, I'm like growing my own ideas, obviously it would be different. I'm not saying I'm going to do it one day, but if I want to live my life to the full, this is like something I need to reach before. On that note, Pelagi, uh, thank you for taking the time today for joining us uh, on the show. As my first guest, I really I really enjoyed the, the conversations and um just I appreciate you telling us your life journey and also you opening up I mean it takes a lot for someone to be vulnerable 
so thank you for that we really appreciate it me and my listeners and listeners that I don't have as yet but they're coming uh, thank you very much and until next time uh, hopefully we will have more interviews and more conversations around you and your life and your progress I'm sure many people will be interested to know exactly maybe in three years where you are and are you living up to your potential so, yeah maybe yeah. when I'll be a CEO valiant millionaire probably CEO it will be interesting to hear my story again <laughs> All right, so yeah you have uh, a good one you take it easy and stay amazing And please don't leave Noto, stay with us in London. We don't want you to be back. <laughs>